image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I would like you to turn with me into your Bibles to that verse, Colossians 1, uh, yeah, Colossians 1, verse 15. So when you're searching for that, uh, it's in the New Testament, towards, way towards the back of your Bible. It's only four chapters long, so many of you go right by it, right? And it's like, whoops, I got too far, and you go back, and you miss it again. But it's kind of between Philippians and Thessalonians and all these little letters. But jump in there with me, we're going to get started there in just a little bit. While you're turning there, I want to kind of inquire of you folks who have been here for a while and who've heard a few sermons. Let's say over the last, eh, seven to ten years here. Some of you have heard a lot of sermons during that time. So I want to challenge you. And those online, you can answer too, right there on Facebook Live. I want you to answer this question. What do you think is the most often quoted scripture in all the sermons over the last seven to ten years? What do you think is the most often quoted passage from the Bible? Over the last seven to ten years from this pulpit, those online can answer. I'll give you a hint. It's not the one you're turning to. So just make it easy. It's not the one you're turning to. Come on, let's hear them. What you, so can I say it loud so I can hear it? I'm sorry? Genesis 1. A very good one. It's right at the start of the Bible. No, I don't think that's the, it's a good, good guess, but I don't think that's the one. Does that mean, was I, was I too cold on that? Great guess. <laughs> okay. No one. Come on, you Bible scholars. Think. John 3.16. Yeah, first service brought that up. That's, that's a really good one. It's a, but no, I don't think that's the one either. Spot on. Did you cheat? Did you watch first service? or is <laughs> Matthew 28. Matthew 28 is probably the most quoted. It is a great commission. Here it is. Let me read it for you. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of age. When you look at that passage, I want you to imagine this is written for you. This is written for us, the church. I want you to imagine being those disciples and hearing this passage from Jesus. What do you think would have been, out of all that, what do you think would have been the thing that stood out the most to them? 
It's okay, you can give me feedback. Which part do you think stood out the most? Spot on. Man, that was, that was so easy. Yeah, I think that's the most important one is, and be sure of this, the comforting words of Jesus. I, hey, I'm giving you the redemptive work of the whole world. I'm trusting the church to continue my redemptive work. And what's the most best part? Good grammar, I know. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. That would be the most comforting part of what they heard of this. How many here believe that? How many here believe that Jesus is with us always? Online, you can like raise your hand, like put a little hand mark up there. So next question, how many of us live like that? That Jesus is with me always? Those online, not very many hands went up. I'm not sure how many hands went up at home. I, I too, I want to tell you honestly, there's a couple times this week going through some stuff, really hard stuff with people that I really wonder, Jesus, are you there? I didn't question him. I just had trouble seeing him, and that's me. But there's another time when I was writing this. It's like, I believe it too. I believe Jesus is with me always, but sometimes I don't act like it. I will tell you there was a time this week with what came out of my mouth, I didn't believe he was right there because if I did... I would not have said what I said. He reminded me later he was there. <laughs> so how do we, I knew this would hit with all of us, how do we go from believing to living that Jesus is always with us? And that's what we're going to be working on. So, so before we jump into that, how, that's the question. How many of us live like there is another right there with us? So let that soak in. I'm going to take a moment and welcome all of you. Thank you for being here. It's good to see all faces I recognize. I see several faces I don't. Welcome to Westview Community Church. My name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. I want to welcome those who are online with us too. Hey, Lene mentioned this worship guide. Let me go over a couple things for our guests. One is on the back are these sermon notes. I'm going to talk about this passage, Colossians 1. And this kind of outlines, it's kind of the framework of what we're talking about. So you can use that to kind of go back and look at. Those who are online, this is pinned out there. You can see this, uh, these notes out there also. Um, to our guests also, man, this, this part's so important to us. It's this Connect card. This thing actually tears off right here. But if you're new with us, we would love, if you're online or here, fill this out. Just give us an email and a phone number, and Pastor Wayne and I will reach out to you. And we just want to say, hey, are you on a journey trying to find a new church home? Let us help you and, and, and fill any questions that you have. But also, if you're just here visiting, we love to send you a note. Like you're passing through, saw the grandkid heading home, we love sending you know saying you're welcome every time you come to Manhattan so fill it out when you leave today you can drop it off in these little boxes by the doors or you can go out to our welcome center and they have a gift for you just for saying thanks for being with us so we're starting this new sermon series called another another there's someone always there and as we head to Easter we're going to fully share how Jesus is with us always and encourage us to live like he really is. To help our belief. So where's the best place to start? I think it's spot on right here. Colossians 1 starting in verse 15. This is what I would call the anthem of Jesus himself. This is the one that explains. It actually sets the foundation for everything we're going to talk about over the next six to seven weeks. About another is with us. And so let's jump right in. Colossians 1 starting in verse 15. I'm going to take just a, a, a text or two at a time as we go through this to kind of break them down. 
And I hope by the time we're done, you're so overwhelmed by this like I am. So here we go. Verse 15. Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. And he is supreme over all creation. All right, there's three weeks of sermon right here in this one. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. We know by the Bible none of us have seen God. One day we will. But right now it's saying Jesus is that visible image of the invisible God. So when it says visible image, what does that mean? It does not mean this. It doesn't mean he's a plaster reproduction or a nice bust on a table. He's not a, he's not a selfie. He's not a painting. He's not a copy. He's not a snapshot. And he's not a partial revelation of who God is. He's not that. One person described Jesus as kind of like the moon, which reflects God the sun. Like we can still see him, but it's just a reflection. Here's our first sermon note together. Jesus is not a reflection of God. He is God. He's not a reflection of God. He is God. Let me break that down. Jesus is the full and complete revelation of God in a human body. And what does that mean? It means that if you want to know what the invisible God looks like, look at Jesus and you'll see him fully. Now you and I, we are created in the book of Genesis that says in the image of God. You and I are in the image of God. So we are his image bearers. What does an image bearer of God look like? Like how am I supposed to go look like God during the day? Look at Jesus and you'll see a full example of how we are to look. Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. And it moves on. He existed before anything was created. Jesus has always existed. Jesus was not created. Now we might hitch and say, well, hold on a second. I'm a little new in my faith. Didn't he come as a baby? Wasn't he created? Jesus has always existed that Christmas day, that first Christmas day, he came in the form of humanity to be with humanity. He left his throne and came down, but Jesus has always been, not created. And not only did he exist before anything was created, he is supreme over all creation. Okay, there's a big word. And you're going to hear it more than once today. He's supreme over all creation. In your version, you might be looking at the NIV or even maybe King James and it might use this different word instead of supreme. It might use the word firstborn. He is a firstborn. So right away say, hold on a second, Byron. You just said he wasn't born. Understanding firstborn in context. Firstborn written in this time and this age. Firstborn in a family was a big deal. Firstborn was first in everything. Firstborn was supreme. So it's used in a context to say that he is first. He is first. But you notice in the NIV it says he's firstborn over creation. So yeah, it kind of says he's not created. He's firstborn over it. So that helps us a little bit. Yeah, but you might see firstborn or first fruits. So Jesus is not created, but it means that he's first in rank and honor. We see the same word used at firstborn. We see the description in Exodus of Israel. Israel is the firstborn of God. It's given us that first preeminent uh, rank and honor. So verse 15 finishes out. He's supreme over all creation. How do we know this? I mean, do we just take the word for it? He's supreme. Jesus is supreme over all creation. 
the next verse tells us. Verse 16. For through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus. And check this out. And for him. So here we're, we're intermixed in this Christian theology of triune God. God is one but in three persons. So let me just briefly hit on this as we look at, at saying, hold on a second. Genesis says God was creator. Why is it saying Jesus is creator? The mystery of the triune God, the God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is a challenge to understand, but it's beautifully revealed throughout this book. In the Bible, we see God the Father and Jesus both are called shepherd, judge, and savior. We see they're both called the pierced one. You see that in Zechariah 12. You see Christ is the exact representation of God the Father having the same nature. That's in Hebrews 1. There's some sense that when you read and see how the triune Father, Son, and Spirit all work together, that everything the Father does, the Son and Spirit also do. And in the New Testament, showing us that not only do they all do things together, the New Testament is sharing that Jesus was there in creation, that all three, Father, Son, and Spirit, were all there. They're always in perfect agreement at every moment, and they're all three equal only in one God. That's what Deuteronomy 6 says. Knowing that Christ is God and has all the attributes of God helps our understanding that Jesus is creator. Jesus, we ask that question, why is he supreme over creation? Because he's a creator. God chose to create through him. God created everything through Jesus. He's the author of life, every planet and solar system, even little bitty earth in the midst of all that. And all these people like you running around on it and all these little crawly things are his. Did you know there's 800,000 cataloged insects? That's not a surprise to Jesus. <laughs> he created every one. Do you know there's 73,000 tree species? 9,000 haven't even been discovered yet. If you go in America, the oak is the tree. In Japan, it's the cedar. Uh, in Vietnam, it's the lotus. In Africa, the baobab. God knew every species, or Jesus knew every species. And he even knew where to plant them. Fishermen, how many fishermen are here? A few. Do you know there's 34,300 species of fish and he knows every body of water they dwell on? And you're only catching like four of them. Some days less. <laughs> Do you know there's 17,409 known people groups on this planet? Jesus made all of them. And you know that 7,400 of that 17,000 have never heard the name Jesus. And that's why we as a church love the Jesus film and support it. And the 14 to 20 films this church has supported, over a million people will hear the news of Jesus for the first time around the world. That's how much we care about people knowing the name of Jesus. He is creator. He made the things we see that we just described. He made the things we can't see. He, he, he's made the whole universe that in our little human efforts with a Hubble telescope we're just beginning to see the front edges of it. 
Not only that, he made the heavens and the spiritual realms and everything in that. And he describes them, the unseen. And he looks at the ranking here, the angelic authorities. You look at thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. You're seeing the rank and system, even the ones that went bad. He's behind their creation and he has authority and they all, all answer to him. And what's interesting is we, is we, have we learned, as we've all learned about the Bible, because it starts on Genesis talking about God, we don't think of Jesus as the first one when it comes to creation. But as we read through the New Testament, it says, let's paint the whole picture. He is creator. So your second sermon note, there was another before, at, in, and over creation. There was another there that we don't commonly don't see when we read the book of Genesis, but we do when we read the whole Bible. There was another before creation. Jesus always existed. He existed before the creation of the earth and you and I. There was another before, but there was also, there was another at creation. Now it was Jesus before, never created. He was there when everything was created. And he was right there, so he was at creation. And not only that, there was another in creation. Jesus was before and at creation, but he just didn't sit back. God created everything through him. And when you have before, at, and in, you get the last one. You're over all of it. And God has given him authority over all creation. Everything was made by, through, and for him. So let me go back to overcreation. It's kind of that, that blanket umbrella statement. There was another overcreation. What does overcreation really mean? Let's go on to verse 17. Jesus existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. So here we go. He existed before anything else. He created it. But when we say he's over creation, this is the important part. He's just not over it. He's just not transcendent over the top of it, watching it. That's called deism. Deism is where a God creates everything, spins it into motion and says, good luck, and sits back and separate. That's not Jesus. Jesus was there at creation. He, he had everything created through him. He's not only in it, he has an intimate relationship with that. And we see that especially when he came to earth to show his intimate relationship with all of creation. So he's not only over it, he sustains it. He's a spiritual glue that holds it all together every day. He is intimate and engaged with his creation. Look at your third sermon note. Everything is held together by him. And that's what we mean by he's over creation. He's not hovering. He's over it and holds it and binds it. And that's why you and I call ourselves Christians. Because we're held together by him. He, another word they use is he sustains all creation. Every day, guys, he's sustaining us. Uh, Pastor G.K. Chesterton said this, every morning when we awake, Jesus has already said, let's do it again. Every evening when the moon rises, Jesus has already said, let's do it again. 
His hand makes it rise. Every daisy that blooms each day is at the hand of Jesus, and he never tires of making them. He has an eternal appetite for infancy. Think of that. Jesus has an eternal appetite for birth and creation and starting things new. He loves infancy. But it also adds in here that not only is he sustainer and hold it all together, this is a part where it adds in that he is the head of us, the church. Christ created us. And he has a plan for his church for changing and redeeming the world. And I'm going to say a statement that normally gives me a couple emails come Monday morning, but I want to say it again. This church does not exist to meet the needs of its members or ensure it survives. We exist to fulfill the redemptive person's purposes of Jesus. Let me hit it again. The church does not exist to meet the needs of its members or ensure it survives. We exist to fulfill the redemptive purposes of Jesus. And that's why we love our members really well. And that's why we take care of the body. It's to do his work. He has given us the missional task. Let's continue on Colossians 1.18. The second half of 18, Jesus is the beginning. You see the nice repetition here, but also it builds each time. He's the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So there's that word again. The second time we've seen this word, Supreme. What's the definition of the word supreme? In the dictionary, you see that it means highest rank or authority or highest in quality. I think what we see in supreme here is the idea that it's first in everything. First in everything. You got a pizza? Yeah, I ordered that a little while ago. That's... Hey, a p- sorry, I wanted to get a pizza for a reason. Yeah, I think, think it's still warm. <laughs> still warm? Still warm, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, dude. Appreciate you. Good timing. <laughs> what kind of pizza do you think this is? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Supreme pizza right here. Perfect timing. So let's talk about our definition of supreme. Hey, for those online, this is available for anybody who wants it at the end of the service. (laughs) This is a supreme pizza from Pizza Hut. Why do we call it supreme? Why do we call it supreme? It's got everything, right? It's got everything. It's, It's, so two things. Not only does it have everything on it, it's supreme, but it's the best, right? They would say supreme pizza is the best. How many here? So let's fact check this a little bit. How many believe supreme pizza is really the best? Online, you can do a little hand wave thing. So yeah, maybe a third, right? But let's talk about what's on it. Well, there's mushrooms, right? That throws some of you out right away. There's, there's pepperoni, Italian sausage, hamburger, uh, red onions, and peppers, it's not really everything. That pizza is called the kitchen sink, if you've ever seen it. This is supreme because they tend to believe it's the best and it 
It has everything in it. That's kind of our human definition of supreme. I want to show you another definition of supreme. This one might, let me show you a picture up here. Has anybody ever seen the supreme shirts? I don't know if this has ever caught on in Kansas, but it definitely has caught on throughout the world. This t-shirt sells for 80 to 100 bucks, and all it says is supreme on it. It's created by a skater group out of New York. It became really fashionable on the streets in New York, and it spread worldwide. Uh, the 20th anniversary or, or something like that edition of the shirt sells for $1,500, a T-shirt. It's like, and it's by a group. Um, it's by a group that really wants to break the status quo. And the Supreme gives them that image. And I thought, that's a good connective, because that's Jesus. He's supreme, and he breaks the status quo. So that's our definition of supreme. The definition of supreme here in Scripture is right there in verse 18, what we just read. He is first in everything. That's that's supreme. He's first in everything. He's supreme over creation and birth. But in this verse, we also learn that he is supreme over death too. Now, this is kind of big. We're building up some momentum here. Now, is he supreme over all creation? You're starting to see the shift. He is also supreme over death. So let's get sermon note number four together. Jesus has our beginning, and he will be at our end. Jesus was at our beginning. Not only did he create the earth that we see in Genesis and God created everything through him, he created you and I and he will be at at our end. He will be the first one we meet. When our earthly life is over, he'll be there to meet us when I die. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the first and the last and I am the beginning and the end. Revelation 22. He is supreme, and he's our everything. Because Jesus is supreme in everything, and he's first in everything from birth till death, God chose to dwell in him, last part of that scripture, fully. For God in all his fullness, think of that. For God, can I even imagine his fullness? For God in all his fullness chose to dwell in Jesus. Because he's supreme and first. This is the God who dwelled in the tabernacle. This is the God who dwelled in the temple amongst his people because of sin, that separation. Now he chooses fully, fully to dwell in his son. That's why we see God in him. And it pleased him. So it's interesting, I, I don't want to throw out things and just say automatically, hey, believe in this. How do we know I'll meet Jesus at the end of my life? How do I know he's the first one there? We see this in the next verse. Colossians 1.20. And through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Are you as blown away as I am yet? 
Not only is creation by and through and for Jesus, Jesus reconciled. That means he made everything right with God. Jesus is supreme. We're seeing a shift here. Not only is he there in the beginning and being there at the end, God has fixed everything through him and through his blood on a cross. What we're seeing here now is a shift to what we call new creation. <laughs> Jesus was in all the, all the original creation and you are my creation and he also was right in the mix when we were newly created, when I decided to follow him and I became new and I was born again. He's right there. He's supreme over all new creation. And, and because we're born again, we come alive in him. And God, through that moment on the cross, fixed everything through him. Your fifth sermon note, his blood fixes everything. Why this is important is see, when the world started in Genesis 1 and 2, God put it into motion, it was perfect, and he dwelled. God dwelled with humanity, Adam and Eve. And then we see the first sin, this first rebellion come into the garden. And there's this massive chasm because God is holy and perfect and man no longer is. There's a massive chasm that separates us from God, but God does not leave us there and he builds this bridge. Sin so damaged the fabric of creation. It damaged humans and our relationship with each other between Adam and Eve. It damaged our relationship with God and it damaged our relationship with creation itself, the earth. What was formed out of chaos and was beautiful went back into chaos. But Jesus actually comes down off the throne, comes down to earth, lives a life that we were not able to live perfectly, and he becomes a perfect, perfect sacrifice for all the price and cost of that sin, and he fixes everything with his blood. And today that makes peace between God, his people, and earth, all creation. All because Jesus is supreme. All because he is our everything. Can you really see why we keep saying he's our everything? His blood fixed everything. He came to earth 2,000 years ago to pay a price that you and I could not pay for the sin that broke up creation. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came to make creation great again. I know I'm using a pun there. <laughs> if you want to see creation made great again, believe in the one who can do it. And that's a kingdom politic. For there's only one that can fix everything. And one day Jesus is going to return and it's going to be perfect again. He has put into motion the repair of all creation and he will one day make it perfect. The Apostle Paul, the early Christian leader who's out there planning all these churches that we have all these letters written to, he wrote Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And if you look in your Bible, you'll notice it's kind of offset. Like this scripture doesn't have the same margins as the others, and it's kind of in the middle. Normally when that happens, we recognize it's a poem or a hymn. 
I would love to sing this with you, but I don't have the original music. But Paul wrote this in the letter, what we believe is for a purpose, and that was when a church gathered together that they would read it together. So you heard Lene read it, and you saw it in the video, and you watched me go piece by piece by piece, but I think this is really important what Paul gave us, that we read it together, because reading this whole thing together reminds us that he is supreme. He's everything. So let's read this together. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Let's keep going. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. One more time. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Can I hear an amen? amen? How many times did you hear the word everything in there? Jesus is a firstborn in creation, meaning he's first. Jesus is a firstborn in death, meaning that he's the first to experience death and raise to life again. Jesus is everything. He is first. He is supreme. God gave Jesus first place in everything. And today, as we read in Matthew 28, he has all authority over heaven and earth. R. Kent Hughes, uh, his commentary, I was reading on this in a passage in Colossians he said, yeah, because God gave Jesus first place in everything, he must have first place in our everything. Because God gave Jesus first place in everything, he must have first place in our everything. He goes on to say he must have first place in our families. He must have first place in our marriages. If I go to the wedding yesterday with Jacob and Elaine, their name wasn't in there, I don't think, as much as Jesus' name was in their wedding. And it was beautiful to see a marriage founded and built in a covenant with him. He must have the first place in our jobs when we go to work. He must have first place in our school, the reason we study and what we do. He must be first place in our mission and our ministry here at this church and his church universal. He must be first place in our matters of intellect, how we think and how we study and what we learn. He must be first place. 
He must have first place in our time. He must have first place in our love. He must have first place in our conversation. I messed up that one this week. He must have first place in our pleasures. He must have first place in eating. He must have first place in play. He must have first place in our sports. He must have first place in what we watch. He must have first place in art. He must have first place in music. And he must have first place just like he did today in our worship. If I can give you something to take away today is one of my favorite ways of praying. I mentioned this before is when I go to sleep when I get ready for bed is I recap the day with Jesus. And let me encourage you this today. Try this tonight if you don't do this. Is when you go to put your head to rest for the day, go through the day again with him. Just have a conversation with him. And you need to start by celebrating where he was first. Jesus, you and I did this together today. And you need to ask him to reveal where he wasn't. And you need to ask him for that forgiveness and when the sun comes up, because he will set it tomorrow. Is say, help me be first place in that with you tomorrow. Because he's right there with you. Your last sermon note, make Jesus first in everything. Let me go back to Matthew 28, 20, the most probably quoted scripture here in the last verse. And be sure of this, I am with you always. Be sure of this, I'm with you always. Even to the end of age, there is another with us. We can believe this and we can live like this if we make him first. Amen? So let's give him one heck of an offering prayer that makes him first together. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you that you made him first in everything from our creation all the way through. That the day, Father, that each one of us leaves this earthly planet, that the first person we're going to see is him. And what a joy that day will be. Father, our prayer is for every person in this room and every person online that, ye, that we can really see today through your word how Jesus is first. He is supreme, even better in supreme pizza. He's even better in a supreme shirt that costs 80 bucks because he's in everything. And Father, we need to let him into everything. Let us learn a prayer tonight, Father, as an offering, a prayer to him to celebrate where he's first and to keep getting better where he's not. Father, have your church rise up that this church puts Jesus first because you put him first. Let it be the way we give today even in our offering. Our offering is such a big thing. It's not just finances, it's time, it's all those things that show he really is first place. So let our gifts today of our time, our treasure, our talent be the best gift we can give as a church. And Jesus, your creation is out there and doesn't even know your name. We exist to share the love of Jesus and the good news. 
and let us go out this week because we put him first in everything, in our job, our school, wherever we are. We're going to talk about him because we want everybody to know the love of a Savior, because we want everybody to be in it on the other side with us. So, Father, we lift this offering up to you. It's probably the biggest one we've given in a while. Let it be fragrant to you. Let it be rich. And let your church go out here in joy, all because Jesus is supreme. We pray this in his name. Amen.